Hello and welcome to this very comic book movie-centric episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. I'm joined today by producer Adam as him and I discuss the recent unveiling of the DC movie and television slate by James Gunn and Peter Serafin. We also talk a little bit about Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Quantumania, which is getting ready to hit theaters here in the next couple weeks. I believe it's February the 16th, so it's right around the corner. Also, uh, today, Variety released an article where AMC Theaters is talking about uh, doing some kind of dynamic pricing in regards to theater seating. So you might end up paying a little more for the best seats in the house for uh, your favorite movies. So we talk a little bit about that. And we also go into what we feel are the five best superhero characters in film. So, after the guitar riff, we bring to you the Couch Potato Podcast. Producer Adam's back on the show. Long time. I, I mean, I talk to you every day pretty much, but it's been a while since you've been on the show. How how are things? How's things been? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I mean, getting old today, my, uh, my back was hurting me uh, so bad that I had to take off of work. So, you know feel like an old man but other than that you know things are going all right well it's funny how you're shooting tonight because usually when you you're on the show we do the show via video chat it looks like you're reporting from like a worn torn country and you're inside of a bunker but on (laughs) the today's presentation it looks like you are shooting from the uh, set of a an adult film and you're on a Uh, you know Most adult films do take place in a bed, so I'm not going to lie. It does look like an adult film, but it also looks like plenty of other non-adult films with beds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's seriously, I'm just expecting a careless whisper to start playing on uh, during the middle of this at any moment now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't shit playing it, but I mean, Wait a minute, I there it is. awkward. Do you need to go? Is it time to? <laughs> is it time to shoot like the next scene? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Man, I'm way too overdressed for this. Well, that's the whole point. Like these movies, they eventually they come off. So, if you need to go, man, I can fly solo. I mean, I understand you're a busy, busy man. On the set. Oh no, I think I think uh, I think my presence is much needed in this because uh, I've been wanting to uh, to let you know my my picks and. Uh, well, we'll we'll tape yeah. like we'll we'll get to those in a minute it, when we discuss doing this. Like you said that your your list, your top choice on this list is very mm-hmm. unconventional, and it's been driving me fucking nuts to figure out who it is. Like, I seriously, I went through a list of, uh, like, portrayals mm-hmm. and was trying to, like, yeah, that could be it. No, that's not it. That's definitely it. Now, that's a possibility. Um, on today's show, we are going to give uh, our picks for the five greatest superhero portrayals on film. So that's going to be uh, the topic of today's show. But before we get into that, um, speaking of superheroes, it's been kind of quiet 
on the superhero front. Uh, no Marvel movies since Black Panther. Yeah, um, no Marvel movies and no shows. Um, no. Um, uh, we got Black Adam as a DC film, but that was October I mean, though. Which yeah. I know you were a little bit higher on that than I was, but uh, yeah, it's been kind of quiet. Okay. And then uh, we got some news from uh, DC uh, James Gunn, uh, and I forget the other guy's name, uh, Peter Serafan. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, uh, they uh, kind of announced their first slate of DC movies in their universe, and they're leading off with Superman which uh, I thought was kind of the right choice. Is, uh, I think we, we kind of need a Superman movie. Uh, they kind of, Henry Cavill got screwed over in a whole mess where that was kind of like the, like that was the biggest superhero news really from the time uh, Black Panther started kind of losing steam at the box office until last week was Henry Cavill's officially out of Superman after yeah. he had been told he was coming back. Poor guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, poor whoever wanted that DC universe to actually work. Cause it, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, as I mean, they had some good movies, but as a whole universe, it just, it never really seemed to click. No. And I, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that like Superman just really, Man of Steel was a little lackluster. I mean, it was an okay movie. I do dig Henry Cavill as Superman. But the movie as a whole was a little... It was decent, but not great. And Superman is the flagship character of DC. Him and Batman. But you're always going to get a Batman movie. It seems like Batman comes out every six months with something new. But I, I think a I lot of it... More had, interesting character. Yeah. Well, plus, he's a cash cow for them. But it just yeah. I think a lot of it started with no lack of direction for Superman. Uh, Wonder Woman was a home run for them. Uh, Aquaman was a home run for them, but you know they had which should have been the greatest superhero movie of all time. Batman versus Superman was kind of a dud. Their team up movie was a dud to the point where people clamored for the original Zack Snyder cut, so yeah. Um, have you had a chance to check out all the, the things that are coming out from DC in this new James Gunn universe? Uh, I took a quick glance at a list, but I didn't like put any of those to memory. Well, we got um, a Swamp Thing. I'm going to pull up the list sure. here. I do remember Swamp Thing um, and uh, Batman uh, Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. All right, let me pull it up here. We have... Oh, God. God damn it. Screen rant. Guys fucking suck. They didn't give a breakdown of the list. Okay, let me go to the Hollywood Reporter. Okay, we've got Creature Commandos, which I've never... Like, half the stuff, though, they're coming out with, I've never heard of. So mm -hmm. I don't know how well-versed you are in the DC Universe, but we've got Creature Commandos. Uh, Amanda Waller's getting her own show on 
HBO Max, which is a little surprising that she's one of the few, uh, I guess, the few left standing in the wake of the uh, the DC bloodbath where they almost got rid of everybody. Superman Legacy, I think that's the first show or movie it's coming out. They're doing a Lanterns show, which is uh, kind of in the Green Lantern universe, The Authority, which I'm, I've never heard of. Now that I think about it, we should have brought Mark, Mark Dyer, star of the critically panned Midnight Run episode, which you can find in our archives. <laughs> I'm always going to introduce him as that. <laughs> Paradise Lost, which is uh, supposed to take place on the all-female island where Wonder Woman was born. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. I'm going to take a break from mispronouncing shit tonight. Uh, and The Brave and the Bold, and then, of course, there's the Batman sequel, uh, Booster Gold. I don't know, man. They're, they're, going, they're going for a lot of this stuff I've never heard of, and I'm curious to see whether it will work. What do you think? I mean... It worked for uh, Marvel. I mean, the Marvel pulled out some uh, B-list and even C-list stuff to bring up to the the mainstream and make it mainstream. So, I mean, if it sounds weird to us, it might be something that James Gunn actually excels at uh, because of Guardians of the Galaxy for sure. Mm-hmm. So, and he actually made the Suicide Squad a very entertaining. Yeah, movie as well. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't my favorite superhero movie, uh, but the characters in it were great. I think the story was what was kind of lackluster, but that's he he had to work with what he got with the DC universe. He had to make it fit, and I mean, everything that he put in it to make it good was good. I mean, he was pretty much the thing that carried that whole film, aside from. Um, Characters that were uh, pretty great. Oh, without James Gunn's Suicide Squad, we would have never gotten Peacemaker, which I finally yeah. finished up not too long ago. That has to be my favorite show released from 2022. That show is awesome. I really hope yep. that John Cena gets away from being the serious action star that he was in like the Fast and the Furious movie and kind of embraces more of this <clears throat> sillier side they showed in Suicide Squad and even more in Peacemaker. I think he's excels at that. Kind of like yeah, for sure. And I think that The Rock kind of has his own established wheelhouse. It's kind of like the the over the top action movie. I think Cena maybe should stay in that lighthearted action lane a little bit. I think he would do really well in that. But yeah, Peacemaker yeah, was fucking awesome. He excels at comedy. Like uh, he was one of the best parts of Blockers for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever finish Peacemaker? No, I haven't finished Peacemaker. I need to. Well, I know everybody's on the uh, Last of Us train right now, and everybody's talking about that, so Peacemaker kind of gets forgotten about. Well, which that I mean, seems to be my to, MO. I always catch up on the buzzworthy shows well after the buzz is worn off. I, I, I do need to watch Peacemaker, though, because, you know, uh, Warner Brothers is, like, just taking everything off of their streaming service and just making sure that we can't watch the good stuff. Well, it is tax season, so they're just, they they may take it off. 
maybe they're going to do their taxes like, man, we, we're not getting as much back on our refund as we thought, so maybe we should cut Peacemaker off of HBO Max too. Maybe we'll get a little bit more. Fudge yeah, the numbers. seem to be doing. Yeah, all of this, uh, all this content cutting for is just the money. Mm-hmm. Not that they can do that this year. I'm, I'm not a tax expert by any any means, but we are in 2023, and that was all 2022. So, true. Um, we do have a big comic book movie property on the horizon. I think we're what a little less than two weeks away from Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Quantumania? Yes. Yes, we are. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Um, I know for me, I was kind of lackluster feeling. I just saw like, well, I'll go see it, but I'm not super excited about it. But the more I start seeing um, Kang in this, like Jonathan Major's portrayal of him, I'm starting to get more excited. It looks like he's gonna he's gonna bring it. It looks starting to look pretty good, so I'm starting to get excited about it. Yeah, I uh, I've seen a couple of fan theories and supposed leaks about things that I'm not gonna go into, but uh, it seems like. I want what I want from this movie is what everybody's been buzzing about is uh, for there to actually be stakes uh, in this movie, for there actually to be consequences to, you know, uh, letting the bad guy get his way. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like that was what was missing from the last phase. And. It, it made it kind of, for lack of a better term, I can't really think of a better term. It wasn't necessarily boring, but it was boring. I mean, I can't think of a better term for that. Less, It was less than boring, <laughs> but it, uh, because there are some good ones in there. But I think that uh, that's what was missing, and that's what I want from this uh, this next installment. I'm ready for there to be some story and some direction for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, it looks like they're starting to get back to that somewhat, that they're introducing essentially the big bad in the next phase. So, yeah, it seems like Phase 4 was just kind of a way just to tell stories from some of the characters but not have anything leading up to it. I mean, I was I was a little disappointed that the multiverse being introduced in WandaVision, then in Spider-Man, and then in uh, Doctor Strange. I thought that was going to lead to something, but it never really amounted to much, if anything at all. I mean, I think the big story coming out of Phase 4, honestly, is we got the new Black Panther, essentially. That was really the biggest thing to come out of this. And we got, like, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield back as Spider-Man, but... I mean, we had nothing to really get us excited for the next phase. Yeah, I mean, Sony and, and Marvel had the perfect opportunity to make the Sinister Six a reality finally, and they they ended up just like, no, not where we're going with this. I hope they revisit that down the road. Or at least have uh, Tom Hardy's Venom come into this universe somehow, because it, like... They wrote him in, and then it seemed like they wrote him out. Yeah, I think they dropped. 
because venom's supposed to be like a hive mind, right? So they dropped the piece of venom there, so like venom can be there, but he can have a different like host. Maybe we'll get black suit Spider Man or something. I don't know. Well, I think that could be a possibility, or they have opened up the multiverse, so Tom Hardy's Venom. I personally think what's going to happen with that is I think Tom Hardy's Venom's going to take on a movie Spider-Man that we've seen. I just don't think it's going to be Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I think it's going to be Garfield or yeah, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. But I don't think it's going to be Tobey Maguire's just because they've already visited that. It might be Garfield's though, for because they kind of uh, they kind of gave Andrew Garfield the short end of the stick when they uh, decided to to stop that whole like storyline at two movies. Well, note self, Sony don't make shitty Spider-Man movies. True, yeah. And then that started with, uh, you know what? I'm going to, uh, hot take, Spider-Man 3 isn't a shitty movie. Spider-Man 3 with Tommy McGuire is too much movie. It's not a shitty movie. It's just, there's so much of it that it makes it bad. If you split up all of the movie into different storylines, it's fine. <laughs> well, I could have, and they could have easily just cut out emo Spider-Man altogether. I was not a fan of that. Yeah, I guess And so. I think yeah. I remember in the movie theater, I didn't say it super loud, but I said it enough to where a couple people could have heard me. I said, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, that's, that's how you can tell it's a Sam Raimi flick. There's some weird, like, goofy thing in the middle of a serious movie. I don't know. I think that's kind of, that's the, that scene, and I, I, <clears throat> I'm a huge fan of Venom, and I think Topher Grace's portrayal of Eddie Brock and Venom didn't really fit what I was looking for. So yeah. I, I think just that kind of ruined the experience for me, and mm-hmm. I've never been able to watch that movie without that that lens of not liking it already. You know, I, I can't, like, go in with an open mind. I liked yeah. Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman, but it yeah. suffers a lot from what the, like, the Batman movies did for a while where they just try to shoehorn too much into them. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, Joel Schumacher is one of the reasons why those movies suck. But yeah, they uh, they they did the same thing. They just put too many villains in. I think, um, you know, that might be the fault of Batman Returns because Batman Returns had two villains in it. And, I mean, I think that's the first superhero movie with two villains at the same time. So maybe, like... Well, you could probably count other... uh, Superman 2 because they had all three of the... Zod and I forget yeah. the chick's name and the guy, the other guy. I always count them all as one villain because they're always together. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. But two standalone separate villains. Okay, I, I see you're cooking yeah. with this. Yeah, and so like going forward, movie studios were like, well, you know, Batman Returns did really well and, you know, they did perfect casting with uh, Catwoman and the Penguin. It's like, oh, we can stuff a whole bunch of villains into this movie and make even more money. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, 
you uh, said a hot take. This is more of a lukewarm take because I think a lot of people share this. I actually prefer Batman Returns slightly to the original Batman. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's that's lukewarm though. A lot of people, a lot of people yeah. feel the same way that I do. So. I, I mean, think um, I'm a fan of uh, Nicholson's Joker, so I'm a sucker for the first one, but. I can see where people would like the second one better. Yeah, I think you said you were going to take a ball back to my car if I didn't acknowledge Jack Nicholson's Joker is the best movie Joker. <laughs> Which I'm like, this is totally out of out of character for you. Where the hell is this coming from? But then you pulled out a baseball bat, and I had to say, okay, man, cool. I'll... Nicholson's um, Joker is the best, you fucking psycho. Well, uh, we've already had that discussion on this podcast before of who's the best Joker and why I'm wrong. <laughs> we have. Uh, you can listen to our uh, Batman 89 episode, and we did a Dark Knight episode where you get podcasts. That's two plugs we've gotten today. That's pretty awesome. There it is. Um, we also, uh, so I'm, I'm starting to look forward to Ant-Man, though. I I, I, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I think so, too. I uh, Every trailer that comes out for it shows a little bit more and um it, the way that they're portraying it in the trailer anyways is that scott lang has to like make a life or death choice and i don't know who's gonna die but i think somebody's gonna die in this movie and i really hope that it's like not one of those well they're dead but they can come back in another universe kind of deaths the know? only thing that i'm hoping so, for is they don't do some like weird multiverse angle where like Michael Douglas is murdered by Sharon Stone's character from Basic Instinct. <laughs> I don't I know. I think he was thanking him, but you know that 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 reference probably went over the heads of probably most people listening to the show. It's a Basic Instinct. It's a very formative movie if you're a teenager. Uh, Sharon Stone's awesome in it, and it has a shit ton of nudity in it too. And uh, you're going to find a couple of spots on the VHS tape that are grainy because people paused it and rewound it too many times. Yeah, it's uh, where eventually the dialogue, where I just like the tape is sliced as thin as uh, roast beef from your local uh, butcher. <laughs> and we do have, uh, isn't Shazam coming out in March? Yeah. Yeah, Um, it looks fun, and I really, I think it's going to be a, a good movie. It's just, I'm not as stoked for that because I know that it's just going to, it's not going to get wrapped up in the, uh, in the new DCU. It's, it's just, not. have they said whether, uh, Zachary Levi's coming back? Cause I think I seen where he said he was Zachary Levi outside of, uh, his recent comments about the COVID vaccine, which we're not going to get into cause we're not a political show, but, uh, he's made some waves about that. And he also, I think, in the midst of that, I think he said something about, uh, I think he f- is feeling pretty confident he'll be back in that. I don't know if he has any uh, inside uh, info on that or not, or if he's just being, uh, uh, you know, optimistic. But I don't see, I don't see them wrapping him up in the new DCU. Mm-hmm. Just because... I mean, I guess they didn't show Henry Cavill at the end of the first movie when he shows up. Like, 
they just show the guy in the Superman suit. Um, and they don't really show it. They make reference to other superheroes, but they don't really show any. So they probably could, like, cut that away from the old DC universe if they wanted to. Mm. But I don't think that they will. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think that he could be... I think he could be one of the characters that survives, but I also don't see him getting another movie anytime soon unless this thing does big business. Which uh, I was yeah. looking at the slate of movies that comes out in March, and March right now is set up to look like a like the summer movie season because there's just like like just monster after monster coming out in March. We kind of desperately need the movies have kind of sucked lately. Just going to the movies. I don't think I've, this is the longest stretch I've been. I've gone without going to the movies on a regular basis. Yeah. And um, off the podcast, you and I had had a conversation earlier today where it's just like movie theaters are trying to get those big blockbuster movies. And if they can't, they have to finagle a different way to get. Uh, money from selling seats. So yeah, you're I mean, referring to the Variety report that broke, where AMC is looking at. I didn't read the article uh, too in depth, but uh, essentially, AMC theaters is looking to do a pricing model similar to like when you go buy tickets for like a sporting event or a concert, where the better seats are going to cost you more money. Exactly. Yeah. Is that is that are they? Yeah, is that for sure? Or is that something they're toying around with? That's something they're toying around with. They they haven't uh, finalized that plan yet. At least they, it's not um, being uh, run in any test markets or anything. Mm. So hopefully that's not the case. Like they decide not to do that, but it probably will happen. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't happen. I mean, they could do it and then roll it back if it sucks, but. I mean, I feel like they're going to do it and people are going to go see movies anyways and then all the other theaters are just going to fall in line. That's what I'm afraid of too is uh, this model could be successful. I can't see it working for everything, but I can easily see them doing this for like marquee titles that they know people are going to pay to see. Like, well, what's a couple extra bucks to get a good seat? Right. It's going to be selling an event rather than selling movie tickets because, I mean, let's be honest, since COVID, uh, people pick and choose the movies they're going to go see in the theaters now because so many are available on streaming services. So, like, for us, I know it's like the Marvel movies or superhero movies or um, big blockbuster ones like Avatar, but um, that's not the case for everybody. Not everybody likes to go see superhero movies, so it's going to be like, one of every few movies that people want to go see uh, uh, in the theaters. So they're going to want to get as much money out of that as possible. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I I know uh, in our text with a few of us, uh, one of the people in that said that he's not too concerned about it because we don't have an AMC nearby. But yeah, that's what I'm fearing is once AMC imp- implements this and if it's proven to be successful, then I think the dominoes are going to start falling to where <clears throat> Regal, 
Cinemark, I think those are like essentially the big three are going to start putting that into place too. And plus like, let's be real since COVID there hasn't been like a great slate of movies on a consistent basis. It seems like there's maybe three or four must see movies and then that's it. And we've only gotten uh, a few huge movies. I mean, Top Gun Maverick, Avatar, uh, you could probably list all of the big movies of the last couple of years on one hand, honestly, for box office anyways. Well, I, so, I think there's usually like one movie a year that like everybody has seen and everybody's talking about. And I think it's really just been Avatar and Top Gun Maverick since essentially the pandemic. I mean, there were a ton of $300 million uh, grossing movies this year, but yeah. Honestly, like, were you talking about Thor: Love and Thunder? Nope. After it, you I know, mean, its initial release, or Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, or the Batman, for that matter. Or even to go even further back, like uh, 007. It was stuck in production hell because of uh, COVID. And was everybody talking about it after it released? No. No, and it didn't do the numbers that a Bond movie, at least the Daniel Craig ones, would have done. Yeah, yeah. I it just it's the the slate of movies sucks, and I think that has a lot to do with why I think this model is going to be in play somewhat. Is I think with a lot of businesses, it seems like things have gone up, and I really look at that more as, hey, we lost a shit ton of money over the last few years. Now we have an opportunity to get that money back, so we've got to raise prices or do something to generate revenue. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if, like, say I want to see, well, my wife and I went and seen a knock at the cabin this weekend. Mediocre movie. Mm-hmm. If you like M. Night Shyamalan, maybe check it out, but don't, like, rush to the theater to go see it. But I don't see that being one that, hey, I have to pay three extra dollars to go sit in the middle of the theater for. But when Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes out, you know, I'm already paying, what, $19, $20, to see it in IMAX. What's an extra 2 or $3 to get, like, the best seat that I can? Yeah. And that adds up. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean I'm... well, I said in our text thread that if that's the case, that's going to severely limit the amount of, movies I'll go see on a premium screen. Like I am a big proponent of seeing a movie in the best possible way you go see it. Now that means going to see it in IMAX is I made it a point to go see Top Gun Maverick on an IMAX screen. And we always, when we go see our, the Marvel movies, we always go see it on an IMAX screen. And that if right. this is going to be something that's going to be down the road on top of all the other surcharges we pay, we're paying extra to get good seats. Like, I may skip out on going to see the new Captain America on an IMAX screen. I'll just go down the road to my local theater, which is more than adequate for me. Yeah. And save some money. And, um, and, uh, I don't think that it's going to affect, um, the, the market, um, the physical media market. I'm just saying, um, because physical media is going away, but, um, if you're paying nearly thirty dollars to go see a movie in the theaters, 
it's just like, okay, I'm just going to go, I'm going to wait until it comes out and I'm going to buy it and I'll own it, you know? Yeah, that's exactly how I'll look at it too. Or I pay $7.99 a month. Well, it's probably more than that now. I don't pay for it, but Disney Plus, I pay six, seven, eight, nine bucks for Disney Plus. I'll just wait the three months to go see it when it hits the Disney Plus. I won't even bother yeah. to to buy it. It's like I can I'm already giving Disney nine dollars a month anyways, so I'll just wait for it to come out on that. See, and that's the other end of the spectrum of this whole uh premium seating thing is okay, if it doesn't pan out, then people are gonna just see it at home and the theaters aren't going to do very well. And so I don't think the theaters are going to go away per se, but I don't think seeing movies in the theater is going to be the same. That's going to be very limited, like a art house kind of format. If it ends up being where people see movies at home more often. Well, it's going to be one of those things, too, where I, when you look at concerts and sporting events, I mean, that's a, a couple hundred dollar a night evening. Yeah. Movies, you take the family. I mean, that's still, I mean, it's gone up substantially over time like everything else, but it's still a somewhat affordable way to do something with your family. If you've got a family of four and now you want to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I mean, you're going to eventually price out the people that are more likely going to, you know, you're buying the big tubs of popcorn that cost a dollar and you're charging 10 bucks for it. I mean, you're eventually going to price that market out and it's only going to cater to people with much more disposable income. It's already starting to happen with like the concerts, at least from what I see, and unless you're a Taylor yeah. Swift fan, but... um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't like this at all. <laughs> Not a fan. Yeah. Well, and go ahead. I was just going to say, but we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll have a change of heart and just not implement it all together. I highly doubt it. I think they're going if they roll this out, it'll probably be something I would see coming in the summer because that's the best time to capitalize on all this, but Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, enough chit-chatting about the movies. Uh, let's get to these uh, these lists. Uh, the top five superhero portrayals on film, the best movie superheroes of all time. Uh, I'm going to go first since uh, I, like I said at the onset of the show, I've been going bonkers trying to figure out who your number one is. So... Uh, uh, my criteria on my picks is uh, they have to be part of a movie franchise, so that's going to eliminate uh, Judge Dredd, which I absolutely love, mm-hmm. but and Scott Pilgrim, that's going to eliminate characters like that. Um, I think and my other criteria is was the casting of this particular actor in the role frowned upon? Now, I know a lot of people kind of play armchair quarterback with, like, casting and stuff, but my choices were, for the most part, somewhat controversial, maybe gotten some backlash, and then they basically said, fuck you, I'm going to knock it out of the park, and they did. 
and my third criteria is if the character, how replaceable is the actor in the role? So uh, once uh, I name off my five, it might make a little bit more sense, that last one. But uh, I have number five, Chris Evans as Captain America. I have number four as Christopher Reeves' Superman. I have number three, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I have number two, Michael Keaton as Batman. And then I have number one, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Okay. Yeah, each one of those guys were met with some kind of backlash, whether... Oh, you can't cast a comedian to play Batman? What the hell are you doing? Or, oh, you got a Broadway actor to play Wolverine? And plus he's six feet tall. Wolverine's not six feet tall. He's 5'3". Or, oh, Iron Man, that's a mistake. That guy's going to sabotage the movie. He's, you know, he's a drug addict, unreliable, you know. Or in the case of Christopher Reeve, like, I've never heard of that guy before. Smashed expectations. And even like with Chris Evans as Captain America, I mean, he tried the superhero thing before and he didn't really pan out yeah. as the human torch. I don't know. I just, I love seeing these guys like the expectations were not very high. And I think a lot of people expected these actors to fall flat and they just smashed it. And I think for me with like Wolverine is my number one, I think he's like the one actor that most superheroes are have been replaced with other actors or could eventually happen down the road. But I think Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is going to cast the biggest shadow in the history of recasting superhero roles. Because, I mean, do you, yeah. is there anybody that you could possibly think of that's going to be able to do that as well as he did? No, not at all. And Nobody. I, I am not a huge, uh, I was, I kind of dabbled in the X-Men a little bit, but I'm not like well-versed as friends of mine are. But from what I do remember, I just remember uh, Logan being a very rough and just a a nasty son of a bitch to be around. Whereas Hugh Jackman kind of evolved over time to where he still kind of exhibited some of those uh, traits, but he also seemed to be very human. Yeah, and that's that mirrors perfectly what he was in the comics. Honestly, his growth as a, a character. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I I'm not going to spoil anything. This movie came out quite a few years ago, but uh, there hasn't been too many deaths in movies that kind of hit you as hard as Wolverine dying at the end of Logan. Yeah. No, not really. And. and uh, I mean, we've we've seen Professor X die a, a gajillion times, uh, even more recently in um, Multiverse of Madness. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Superman even. I'm trying yeah. to think of all the uh, superhero deaths on screen, but yeah, no, Wolverine's the worst. It just makes you sad. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Batman too, like. 
I know personally when I combine the characters of Bruce Wayne and Batman together, I prefer Christian Bale's take on it. But just in terms of Batman, I mean, I think Michael Keaton's been the best the best Batman. He seems to have kind of captured the essence of what I think the character is better than anybody. And well, plus he doesn't sure. have to use that um, fucking voice that yeah. over time has kind of gotten grating watching the Nolan Batman movies. The the look on his face uh, when he grabs that goon um, in, I think it's Returns, and there's like a bo- he puts a bomb on him and he just throws him down the manhole. Like, everybody's like, oh, Batman doesn't kill that. But the look on Keaton's face... And he's just he's just so happy that the bomb is there. <laughs> I think he he's he's uh he's captured like that very thin line that Batman straddles of you know like is he crazy or does he know, you know, is he in his right mind? Yeah. yeah I, that's what I've always found to be captivating about Batman is the fact that you know, he could almost snap and just be a completely different character, but he seems to straddle the line that he can rein himself in. He's, and he's scary. Like, he's scary to the bad guys. And, yeah, I mean, the best uh, portrayal of that with Bale's Batman is um, in the first movie, uh, when he's on the docks and he's getting getting all of uh, Falcone's games. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all... Um, scrambling to find out what's going on. That's the best portrayal of that with Bale's Batman, I think, being scary. Uh, uh, but Keaton does it all the time. Like, every time he's on screen as Batman, he is scary to the bad guy. Yeah. And, like, even with these uh, leaked Batgirl set photos, uh our friend actually texted us in the text group these leaked uh, Batgirl um, uh, photos of Keaton in the in the bat suit, and he's still scary. Like th- those are creepy. <laughs> oh, for sure. If I saw that down an alley, I would be running the opposite way. Yeah, that that's still my favorite Batman suit too. Yeah. Just the the all black with the yellow bat symbol on it. Still, yeah. still iconic to this day. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I mean, for my list, it's just the fact that like everybody on this list had something like the fans were not keen on it. And I will be honest, I don't really remember too much of, uh, Keaton's Batman being cast simply because I was not old enough to really be into that stuff. But I know my, my mom and my grandfather were super upset because they grew up with the Adam West Batman. Yeah. And I know when uh, Wolverine was cast, I know, uh, what was it? His name was Dugray Scott. He was the villain in the god-awful Mission Impossible 2. was supposed to be him. Mm-hmm. And I know the backlash with Hugh Jackman was the fact he comes from Broadway. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really fit the mold of what they were looking for. And then, I mean, yeah, we all know the story of Robert Downey Jr., all the baggage he had coming into that. And of course, I think now we would not, like, the MCU was built on his work in Iron Man, so. Yeah. And yeah, even I, with, I agree. And then with Christopher Reeve, I, 
I liked Cavill, but I Chris Freeve had this thing when he played Superman to where he seemed to be able to like add enough nuance to Clark Kent to where you could actually buy Clark Kent as Clark Kent and not have any idea it's Superman. And then when he yeah. Superman's like this you had no idea that he was also Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Just in just simple mannerisms and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, when yeah. Chris Chris Evans got cast as Captain America, I'm like, okay, this movie's gonna suck. Because <laughs> I only knew Chris Evans is like from the Human Torch, and then uh, not another teen movie, and I was like, this is gonna be bad. And yeah, of course, it was the polar opposite of that. Well, enough of me getting into uh, my list here. I want to hear yours. Okay. And um, what's your so criteria before we get into it? Was it? What's your criteria? Like I, I said, mine was. Oh. Uh, my criteria for uh, my list um, was, uh, and it wasn't really um, comic books per se, but do they fit the role of the character uh, as a whole? Like, it, not, not necessarily the character from the comic books, because that's just one aspect of the character. Um, because Batman, for example, has had several iterations, and um, a lot of them different from the other, like Adam West's Batman versus uh, Keaton's Batman versus the animated series Batman. There's just some. Know? There's just no place to get rid of a bomb. Exactly. Uh, so my criteria was: Do they fit uh, the overall arcing um, uh, accepted? trail the characteristics of the character um and uh i mean how good of a superhero are they you know um you can have a really cool superhero like um the incredible hulk and uh have a terrible movie where the incredible hulk is portrayed as the villain <laughs> Oh, he's just a rage monster that's destroying everything. Which is true in a sense for some of the uh, comic book stuff, but Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk are a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that was my criteria, mostly. Um, when it came to the actors, uh, I mean, I guess um, uh, it was a little bit um, of the the way that they brought um, uh, their acting ability to the table too. Um, my first pick is not because of the acting ability. I can give you that. I can give you that much. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, I'm going to start out instead of uh, at my number five. I'm going to start out with my honorable mention, just because uh, it deserves to be mentioned on some kind of podcast, uh, and nobody knows about it. Um. Oh, um, and I'm also going with uh, established franchise movies. I'm not going with one-offs. Okay. Um, but my honorable mention is, and it is Patrick Warburton's The Tick. Okay. Because, Was you know, he in a movie, though? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a movie. A TV um, movie, or? It, I think it was a TV movie, but I wanted to get him out there because... Uh, 
you know, nobody ever mentions the tick. <laughs> Anyways, he's not on the list. Well, you kind of skirted uh, the criteria, but I'll let it slide this time. I mean, let's be honest. When are you going to uh, come up with a superhero like the tick in any kind of podcast format? It's not. You're not going to talk about you it. Don't, you don't know. Maybe in three weeks I was going to do a tick retrospect episode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, it, but... but... Uh, my number five um, was Wolverine, uh, and uh, mainly because uh, of the reasons we've already mentioned. I mean, can you see anybody else doing Wolverine? Like, he is Wolverine. Mm. You, you mentioned Hugh Jackman to somebody on the street, they're going to immediately think Wolverine. They're not going to be like, oh, that guy from The Greatest Show? No, no. Well, Wolverine. I guess it depends on your audience, but yeah, most people are going to know him as Wolverine. I mean, even people that don't go to see uh, comic book movies probably know that, yeah, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Is that that guy from Kate and Leopold? <laughs> uh, and uh, he does, especially with Logan, he brings that, this is going into my criteria of uh, like what they bring, his acting ability to make you... Uh, feel something for a gruff, uh, you know, uh, animalistic, uh, you know, um, rip and tear kind of superhero. Like you, you feel something for him at the end of that. I <laughs> feel like, Oh man, I just lost the best friend. I've always been against, uh, actors that play soup, like actors getting an Oscar nomination for playing a superhero. Cause I, I think that, there's only so much that you can do and still be a superhero. It seems like all the villains seem to get like all the meteor stuff. They get the ones that get the dialogues. And But I think Hugh Jackman should have been nominated for an Oscar for Logan. I really do. That yeah. was a crime that he didn't get any kind of uh, award love when that movie came out. He's fantastic in it. Yeah. And Wolverine's one of those, um, not necessarily anti-hero because he definitely doesn't do a lot of um, villainous things, but he's he's that um, he also skirts that line of um, what's morally correct, I guess. <laughs> so I always like in Bat know. like characters like Batman, Wolverine. They're they're heroes, but they have they're not they're not like. Heroes and villains are usually heroes are in white, villains are in black. Wolverine and Batman, yeah. they straddle that. They're very gray characters. Yeah. 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 And Hugh Jackman does that perfectly. Mm -hmm. um, my number four, The Incredible Hulk, as played by Mark Ruffalo. I, uh, I, he got some consideration in my list. He didn't make. I had a couple of honorable mentions. He didn't quite make that cut, but I really do like his take on Bruce Banner. Um, and the only reason he's at number four um, is because I don't necessarily like the Professor Hulk um, arc, um, and I don't think they did uh, Planet Hulk justice with Thor Ragnarok, um, although it was very good. I'm, I'm not bashing Thor Ragnarok. It's just that... The Hulk has so much that they could do. I mean, if they ever did a Hulk versus Wolverine, 
I'm first in line because that happened and it's awesome. Uh, but Ruffalo has um, the best portrayal of, you know, just vanilla Bruce Banner and the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, they took um, the uh, big rage monster uh, villainous kind of storyline from the older movie, but they kind of reined it in in Avengers. And the reason why he's my number four and uh, he fits my criteria is he, Mark Ruffalo brings that um, extra, extra sauce to the character. Um, when he's talking to uh, Natasha about how he tried to kill himself, but the Hulk just spat the bullet right back out. You're just, I'm just captivated by that story. Every time I watch it, I just, I, I turn up the volume, I make everybody shut up, and I, I listen to him talk about it. Like, I love that scene. I don't know why. It's just, that's, that's Professor Bruce Banner. Like, he, he's always had this Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing where um, he doesn't uh, want to give in to the rage monster, and he, you know, uh, but he has to, to be a superhero. And the kind of the depth of the character that you don't really get by just making him like, oh, you don't want to see me angry, you know? So, he's my number four. Um, number three is uh, Predictable Iron Man. Um, and Downey Jr. has hit it out of the park with Iron Man, the first Iron Man. I mean, he is Iron Man as a, a person. Like, if he... If Iron Man were a real person, it would be Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I I think um, with uh, Iron Man, I I think he's had the best story arc of just about any superhero that's been put on film. Like he's he seriously went from being an egomaniac in the first one to where like in Endgame at first he doesn't even want to be a part of that. He has grown like he wants to be at home with his family, and he becomes yeah. kind of reluctant to do this. And then he ends up sacrificing himself. And you know what? If you get pissed off me for like telling you that Iron Man dies in fucking Endgame, get over it. That movie's fucking three years old, almost four years old. You're good. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, to where he ends up sacrificing himself to save humanity. I just, I think that whole arc, and then he becomes like, you know, he still has that that snarky charm about him throughout, but. You know, he kind of grows from being like an egomaniac in the first one to where he he grows into the mentor role and just yeah, I think his arc is amazing. Yeah, and um, he's and he's one of those oh, guys yeah. too that you can't really see anybody. I think he's almost going to be irreplaceable as Iron Man. Oh, I don't see sure. anybody replacing sure. him anytime soon. No, I don't think they're going to replace him. I don't think they're going to reboot it. At least nowhere in the near future, at least in the next 10 years. Um, I think that uh, when it comes to Iron Man, I don't know, maybe it, uh, because one of my criteria is, you know, how good of a superhero are they? Uh, he literally sacrifices himself for everyone, for the entire universe. And I don't know, maybe it's just... Uh, because I'm a dad, but I know why he snapped his fingers. I mean, it wasn't for the whole universe, really. Mm -hmm. So you know, that kind of that kind of gets me. So 
he gets he gets the number three spot. Mm. You know, he he gets the uh, he's probably uh, actually number two on the criteria if we were just judging this based on how good of a superhero are they. Um, my number two, uh, I I kind of had to split in two. It's Batman, but I couldn't decide which one was better based on my criteria. Probably Keaton, but I really, really liked... Um, uh, can't think of his real name. can only think of him as Edward from Twilight. Robert um, Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, thank you. Excellent actor. If you haven't seen The Lighthouse, see The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie. He's fucking wild, too. Yeah, even in Tenet, he's amazing. He's the best thing um, about Tenet. Yeah. and uh, You can actually understand his dialogue, too. <laughs> yeah, you can actually hear him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was kind of a, you know out of left field for Batman for me because when I heard he was cast as Batman... I was an naysayer. I was like, no, I'm sorry. Edward from Twilight can't be Batman. There's just no way. He's not going to be a good Batman. But um, he uh, he brings that Batman character to life with, um, you know, being that gray character, um, being vengeance, um, not being afraid to, you know, beat the bad guys to a pulp, uh, be scary, you know. Uh, he's one of the creepiest Bat- Batman portrayals. Mm-hmm. Um, when they introduce him coming out of that uh, that dark tunnel, it's really cool. Um, and uh, he he isn't necessarily my favorite for uh, Bruce Wayne, but he does, I think, carry the mantle of Bruce Wayne being uh, a torn apart, um, broken man from seeing his parents die. Yeah, he does carry um, the grief of his parents b- being dead. Like, and he hasn't gotten over yet. He does carry that very well. Like, he just seems yeah. tortured at the fact that... almost seems like in that movie, too, it's almost like he kind of... seems like he carries some blame for it. Yeah. At least that's and, the vibe I got. And, and Batman does carry blame for it because he... I mean, he wanted to leave... Bruce Wayne wanted to leave the theater and they left the theater in a hurry and they went outside in that alleyway and they got shot. And it's like, Oh, I'm the reason my parents are dead. You know? So, um, I'm really glad that we didn't have to watch that scene over and over again in the new Batman. I'm tired of seeing, um, the Waynes die in every Batman film, but you know, yeah. Uh, the origin <laughs> stories, let's deal away with them gang. We, we don't need them. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen them enough. We know where they came from. I mean, if it's um, somebody's been on, like, I want to know about Blade, and I want to know about, you know, when the X-Men, yeah, I, I'm interested in hearing their backstories, but I don't need Spider-Mans again. I don't need Batmans again. I don't need Supermans yeah. again. Nope. We're good. I think we've uh, we've established their origin story. Uh, that being said, um, Keaton has the edge over Pattinson, I think, uh, just because he does have that um, 
essence about him where he could snap at any minute. Um, he also is uh, one of the few Batman that have um, carried the mantle of the world's greatest detective. You don't get to see a lot of uh, Batman portrayals uh, doing detective work like Dark Knight. You don't see it at, uh, hardly at all. Like, maybe a little bit, but... Hey, now, he put Batman, together that wall when that... he How that gun was shot off. Give, yeah. Give the man some cred. Yeah, he... He, he, he did that. Um, I know it's not on the level of figuring out the fucking Joker's Joker products, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I think of Detective, I think of, like... I mean, I guess it's because Dark Knight was in a newer age, but I think of, like, you know, newspaper clippings, the big supercomputer, uh, you know, him going out and, like... Batman in the... The animated series Batman is my, like, benchmark for film Batman, which it should uh, yeah. be because it's an animated show. But, I mean, let's be honest, that's the best, like, comic book accurate Batman. He's he's out there with a flashlight. Like, he's going, he's going through, like, file cabinets with a flashlight. Like, that's what I think of when I think of detectives. Well, I think with and, Batman uh, focusing on the detective work so much, I think it's just mostly time constraints more than anything. It's just, like... Yeah, with, with, in a know, movie, you're not going to want to see that, yeah. Yeah, it's I like, mean, okay... I don't want to see Batman that, dusting for an hour and a half for Prince. I mean, Pattinson did that with the crime scenes that he looked at. Like, he he did some of that, and he, you know, figured out the Riddler's riddles. But I think that was more um, the fact that it was the Riddler doing the crimes, and he had to figure out the riddles. Yeah. Um, uh, and then he had to go, you know, to Penguin and, you know, figure out who's behind it all. He he did that a little bit, but I think Keaton is that that um, stereotypical supercomputer newspaper clippings, figuring out uh, where the bad guy is, what the bad guy is doing. I think uh, he fits that mold pretty well. Um, so yeah, I I I think he uh, portrays Batman uh, the best out of all of film Batman. So he's my number two. Uh, also because he's my favorite superhero, so I'm going to give that a little little bit of bias there. Um, in the DC universe, anyways. Uh, he's uh, he's neck and neck with uh, Spider-Man as my favorite superhero, I think. Um, which brings me to my number one. And everybody's going to think that... Uh, you're crazy? I'm going to say... You're drunk? Huh? They're going to think you're yeah, crazy? Everybody's think you're drunk? think that... Okay, so everybody's favorite, I don't know why, but um, everybody's favorite uh, Spider-Man is either Andrew Garfield or um, Tom Holland. My favorite Spider-Man is Tobey Maguire. Well, I'm going to tell you why. Back up the phone real quick. I've actually never heard anybody say that Andrew Garfield's their favorite Spider-Man. I've never, (laughs) I've never heard that. I've heard that ad nauseum. Like, oh, he's great as Spider-Man. I like this Spider-Man, but... So great. I, I have heard it way more often than Tobey Maguire. And uh, Tobey Maguire gets crap for his uh, his uh, Spider-Man 3 performance, uh, as he should. Um, <laughs> nobody likes emo Spider-Man. Disco Spider-Man? Um, or emo. Disco Spider-Man. Emo Spider-Man. Um, and he also 
has famously never read any Spider-Man um, before doing any of the roles. He might have read Spider-Man since, I don't know. but um, And uh, he also deviated from Spider-Man a little bit with the way that Sam Raimi gave him the web and stuff in his, in his wrists and stuff. Everybody was kind of mad about that. But um, when I think of Spider-Man and the way that my criteria falls, Spider-Man is literally the most selfless Spider-Man, uh, or, or superhero. He, and Tobey Maguire is the most uh, selfless Spider-Man. Um, he literally gives up every aspect of his life to do the superhero thing. Mm. Um, he gives up his own happiness, his family, uh, his girlfriend, his job, uh, his, you know, education, his house. Like, he's he's behind on the bills. That's, and that's that's the way Spider-Man was in the comic books. And he's kind of a, um, a more relatable that way. Like, everybody has these same issues. Like, everybody has to juggle their, their life that way. They have to juggle their education and their family and their bills. And Spider-Man has to do it all and be a superhero. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Tobey Maguire, uh, especially in Spider-Man 2, um, specifically the scene where he is, it's, it's meme-worthy too because everybody thinks it looks like he's taking a shit, but, uh, when he stops the subway train and, um, he's basically beaten and he's destroyed and everybody on that train, um, was like so thankful that they didn't care. Like they saw his face, they they didn't care who he was. Um, and then Doc Ock comes along and says, "Oh, give him to me." And everybody on the train says, "No, you're gonna have to get through us." And of course he does. He's Doc Ock. But I think that's that's the best portrayal of what a superhero uh, should aspire to be. Mm-hmm. gave up everything for you know just a little bit of um you know kindness from strangers you know the greater good as it were and there's been a couple of different um comic books where uh it's the same way um i'm not gonna get into that though because this is this is film portrayals but toby Maguire's spider-man shows that better than the other two and um you know Everybody kind of, you know, oh, he's too old, or he didn't read any of the comics before he did the role, and or oh, this movie sucked, or you know, he's dorky and awkward, and I mean, that's the way Peter Parker is too. I don't like Andrew Garfield's portrayal because um, Andrew Garfield, you know, seems like a cool skater kid as Peter Parker, and no, that's not Peter Parker. He's a a nerdy, you know. Uh, scientific photographer guy uh, that literally cannot make it through life. He trips over his own feet. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Toby McGuire does that perfectly. And uh, why he's my number one fitting my criteria. Hey, not wrong. That Toby McGuire uh, was uh, on the honorable mentions list on mine. Um, the only thing I didn't like about McGuire, it seemed like he didn't quite get 
the wise ass part of Spider Man down. They didn't really blend that in to a lot he, of it. He didn't do some wise wise cracks that weren't great, but I think that kind of lent itself to his nerdy Peter Parkerness. Yeah, see, that's the the problem I always have with Garfield's. Is I think Garfield goes for it too much in that area. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I do like Holland because he seems to have kind of gotten the best of what McGuire did and the best of what Garfield did together. Yeah. but And the reason why Holland didn't uh, top McGuire uh, is he... Uh, and people are probably going to be uh, against me on this one, but... Nobody listens to this show anyways, Adam, so just take away, my friend. He, he was made by Iron Man. He's not he, He's not Spider-Man. He's literally Iron Man Jr. Yeah. He, he's Iron Man Jr. I mean, sure, he's still Spider-Man, but would he be Spider-Man without the suit that Tony Stark gave him? Maybe, but not not in the DC, or uh, not in the uh, MCU. I mean... If they brought in a whole new Spider-Man story into the MCU and did a couple of movies and then he was it, maybe. But he also doesn't, um, I think, he's, he's kind of young still. He's still in that like high school phase of Spider-Man, and he hasn't really gotten to the point to where like he has to juggle life, which I think we'll, we might see more of because uh, of the way that... Uh, uh, no way home ended, but um, yeah, I'm excited to see the way they take that. But yeah, no, Toby Maguire tops him there. Hey, I got I got no issues with Toby Maguire being number one at all. I like for me, like I think Toby Maguire has the worst. Well, not the worst, but his his Spider Man, his third one's pretty bad. But I think he also has the best. Singular movie out of all the guys that portrayed him. Yeah. By far. I, I, I mean, as cool as No and, Way Home was, it still doesn't top Spider-Man 2. And, and think, if you think about it as um, superhero movies as a whole, um, when you think of superhero movies starting out, um, you had some really crappy uh, Marvel movies um, in the uh, late 70s and 80s. And then you had Superman, which is pretty cool. You know, I think it, it started a, uh, an upward trend. And then you had Batman, which made it, like, mainstream. And I think that, uh, and kind of set the the way that superhero movies are structured. But Spider-Man is kind of in, in that in-between era, between Batman and um, even the crappy ones. And uh, the, the era that we're in now, yeah, yeah, and I think it hit a it it hit everything perfectly because if you if you think about at least the first two Spider-Man movies, comic book wise, they are campy, but they're they're campy like a comic book, and they are colorful like a comic book, and they have the uh, good versus evil that a comic book would have. And Sam Raimi was really good at, at making those cinematic. And uh, 
making Spider-Man a character that everybody could relate to, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, I've I've always felt that uh, in terms of superhero movies, like I think Batman, like the, like there needed to be like one big breakout because I think without Superman, we obviously wouldn't have gotten Batman. I think without Batman, we wouldn't have gotten that that really cool wave because I I've, I've always felt before the MCU, it was essentially X Men one and two and Spider Man one and two. Those were like the tops of that middle era, and without them, we obviously wouldn't have gotten the uh, where we're at now. Yeah. And I know that not everybody's first pick is going to be Spider-Man for a uh, movie portrayal, especially Tobey Maguire over, like, say, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine or um, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Iron Man. But when it comes down to do they fit the role and how good of a superhero are they and what did they bring to the table as a character? I think the Toby Maguire hits all of those notes. Hey, it, this is your list. So, <laughs> and I, I'm glad that you came out with something a little different than I did. So totally cool with that. That's why uh, I'm trying to get uh, people to have different opinions than I do. Cause I mean, even though my opinion's right, it's always nice to hear a different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think, uh, I don't think any incredible Hulk was on your list either. So. No, he was not. Um, if I had an honorable mention, I think the two that I had that stand out is uh, Patrick Stewart's Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of how I always envisioned. And even when you're casting the X-Men, like he was the first guy, like, yeah, get Patrick Stewart to play Professor X. Even though McAvoy's good, I like his portrayal, but... Like, oh, when no, I Patrick s- Stewart. Is, yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other one that I had was... Uh, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Like I, I think it's almost like the creators of Deadpool like had him in mind even before Ryan Reynolds was a thing. Yeah. Is it that or Ryan Reynolds grew up reading Deadpool and like this is how I'm going to be as a human being my <laughs> outside of killing people as a mercenary. <laughs> so yeah, those two got strong consideration for, for uh my top five as well. I think I'm going to do something a little different this week instead of us trying to culminate the ultimate top five list. Uh, had a good idea on last week's episode where uh, since Will didn't have like a list, he just kind of contributed to mine. How about we put your list against mine and we let the fans vote on who's got the best one. So um, once this episode releases, probably going to be Tuesday night. Because, I mean, as awesome as this show is and, you know, you think like, man, those guys got it made. They're probably living high off the hog on this. Adam and I do have regular nine-to-five jobs, so. Um, yeah. We'll put the poll question up on Twitter. Uh, Couch Bro Podcast at Twitter. Uh, we'll put the poll up for a week. Let you guys and gals vote on who you think had the best superhero list. And please... Chime in with your picks as well. Love to hear from you. Love uh, you guys to rip my list to shreds, get your takes, even though my list is yeah. awesome. Um, you know, give your input on Adam's list as well. Uh, see who wins the list battle for this week. So, uh, have you got anything you want to 
add before we wrap up? Yeah, um, when you're uh, when you're ripping apart both of our lists on on Twitter, uh, uh, if there's a superhero that has been betrayed by multiple actors, who's your favorite one? You know, Batman, Spider Man, The Incredible Hulk, even. Yeah. I have a feeling either no one's going to vote on this poll question or I'm going to get comments. I'm going to, you and I are going to look like Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man holding that train from falling from all the negative comments. <laughs> all right. Hey, well, he stopped the train from falling. That is true. So we'll, we'll save the day at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Well, Adam, it's goddamn pleasure having you on. It's been a, a hot minute since you've been on the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be on the show, especially uh, with this subject that I am very vocal about. Yeah, uh, you were. I, I, I do like uh, me some superhero top five lists. So well, we'll we'll be back with some some more down the road. Um, all right, all right, guys and gals, you listen to the show. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Follow us on Couch Bro Podcast on Twitter, so you can vote on that. Uh, poll question we're going to drop on Wednesday so you can let us know how you feel we're on Instagram, Facebook TikTok I'm sure I'm missing another social media site somewhere so please give us a follow on that as well so until next week we will talk to you guys and gals later